Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Everybody says, amen, amen, amen. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Ready? Jesus is perfect. Oh, my goodness. If you can get that in your soul, everything in your life will change. Jesus is perfect. Somebody say perfect. See, if that's just a phrase, it means nothing to you. The perfection of Jesus will do nothing for your life until you believe it and receive it. I can tell you what he did on the cross. I can tell you the life that he lived. I can tell you the beauty of his mercy and his goodness and his glory. I can tell you how he transformed my life. But it does nothing to you until you believe it and receive it. That's why we have so many people that come to church, but they still act the same. They come to church, but they still talk the same gossip. They come to church, but they, they've been here for months and they're still not serving. They come to church and they think they're just checking it off their bucket list. Hey, I'm a good Christian. Came to church every Sunday for five months. No, 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 no. It's whether you believe it and receive it that the perfection of Jesus Christ changes your life. I need you to understand this today. I'm going to say it again until it sticks into your soul. Jesus is perfect. He's perfect. That means my imperfections that ruined me, mm, he's perfect. He fixed that. See, perfection, it, it sees things differently. Well, when you see brokenness, perfection sees something that can be made whole in a second. Well, when you see something that has no return, perfection says something, man, that can be, that can be made brand new. Perfection stays in the process because it knows that the process is worth it. Perfection doesn't give up so easily because it knows the end goal is inside. Perfection, it it doesn't react like if a spider's on the floor. No, it responds because it knows what's about to happen. Perfection teaches you how to live a life. There's this crazy passage in the Bible that I I, I never like to read because it makes me feel crazy, like worthless, right? Jesus, he's talking, right? And he's saying, you have to be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect. I said, heck to the no, Jesus, I can't do that. He says, I know. I gave you a standard you could never fulfill, so my sacrifice can meet you in the gap of that standard you'll never be able to get to. Jesus says, be perfect, but not by your will or your strength. Be perfect by putting your life in my hands. It's not perfection you have to reach on your own. It's perfection you have to find in Jesus. That is the perfection we're talking about. When I say Jesus is perfect, it's not so you can look at a God who's far away. It's so you can experience that perfection. It's so you can know, oh, there's a perfection deep down inside of me. I may not live perfect. I may not be perfect, but I can experience perfection. Oh, that's a word. And the passage we just read, we see that perfection, a.k.a. Jesus, is making its way to Jerusalem. And as he's on his donkey, he's hitting the cowboy. As he's on a donkey, he's going to Jerusalem, and everybody's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, not in the lowest, but Hosanna in the highest. And they're lowering palms to him, and they're lowering their their best clothing and and their best offering at the feet of the donkey that is carrying Jesus. And and this is something so beautiful in the Bible. The the scripture actually says, the title of this is that Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. Oh, that's gorgeous. Jesus, he's no longer wandering. He's back in his city, and he's saying, I'm not just coming back as a rabbi. I'm not coming back as a prophet. I'm coming back as king. And every time we celebrate this, we celebrate this about a week before Easter. It's called Palm Sunday. Easter just passed, so don't think it's Palm Sunday today. And this is something so beautifully painted in Scripture. But if I could read to you the chapter before, you realize how ugly this passage truly is. 
Verse 11 is Jesus coming in, triumphant entry as king. Verse 10, I, I, I love what it says because it helps me see the picture better. It says they were on their way to Jerusalem. Verse 11, he's in Jerusalem being worshipped and praised, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But verse 10, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and it says Jesus was leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. That's a whole other sermon. Don't worry about that. Again, he took the 12 aside, and he told them what was going to happen to him. We are going to Jerusalem, Jesus said, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests. And the teachers of the law will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And three days later, after all that pain, he will resurrect. See, I, I'm reading the story and I'm like, whoa, Jesus, he's coming in. Like worship, praise, it's amazing, it's beautiful. But, but then I can imagine Jesus with, verse, with chapter 10 on his mind as he's on a donkey. cross is just a week away. As he's on the donkey and he's riding into the city of Jerusalem, oh, I can imagine him feeling the pain on his back already. Like, you know, whenever your mom calls your entire full name, then he's like, you better come over here. Oh, I can, I can feel it. Like, I just, I, it's in my back. I'm walking to her already, like, injured. Like, she didn't even touch me. Like, I can imagine Jesus on the donkey saying, ah, the sin I can imagine him, ah, oh, my head hurts, oh, I don't know, it's the crown. I, I can imagine him saying, ah, oh, my heart hurts, it's my people crucifying me. As he's on the donkey, he knows what's about to happen. And I can imagine him, him he starts shaking and, and shuddering, and, and the people are praising him, but the praise is just the background of his life, and, and, and right now he's just terrified. I can imagine Jesus, there, there's a chapter in the Bible where he says, God, if there's any other way to do this, please let that happen. If I can pass this cup from me, please. But then he says, let your will be done and not mine. And I can imagine Jesus on the donkey saying, ah, oh, I really want to hop off this donkey and walk the heck out of Jerusalem. And, and it's not a beautiful picture of Jesus coming in as king. So I'm reading this, and, and when I read my Bible, I love to talk to God. I, I love to say, God, why the heck did you write this in your scripture? I promise if you read your Bible and you ask God a question, he will answer it. Just keep reading a little bit more. So I'm asking God questions. I'm saying, God, why is this something so beautiful if in reality it's so ugly? And Jesus, he, he says, Dennis, did you not listen to them? Did, did you not hear what they were saying? I was like, yeah, but, but Jesus, the cross is just a couple of days away. He says, yeah, yeah, but, but listen to what my people were saying. Listen to what they were doing. I was like, yeah, Jesus, I, I know what they were doing. I just read it, but the cross. And Jesus said, but my people. And I'm reading what the people are saying. They're saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father, David. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. And something I learned about God that moment. And it's that when I point at pain, Jesus points at praise. Well, when, I'm, when I'm focusing on the struggle and the situation, Jesus focuses on salvation and sacrifice. Well, when, I, when I'm thinking about the pain of the problem, when I'm thinking about the pain that I'm going through, Jesus says, no, no, but man, look at that praise. Oh, ooh, would, would you look at that praise? I can imagine Jesus saying, oh, like, I, I'm hearing this praise and I just got to go die. Like, I have to get there. Because this praise is just temporary when I come as king. But after I die for my people, this pain will be eternal. I will be with them forever. Come on. Every tear will be gone. Every pain, every frustration is going to be out of the window. It's going to be you praising Jesus. And I can imagine Jesus looking at the people saying, yeah, this is what it's about. This is what it's for. I was so focused on the pain of the cross. But Jesus says, no, 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 Dennis, forget about the pain. 
Look at the praise. I started wondering about myself. What if I enter my situations? What if I enter my arguments? What if I enter my workplace with that same mentality? It's not about my pain. It's about the praise. Because the praise allows me to experience Jesus. I can see him when I praise him. But so many times I get lost in my pain. I get lost in my problem. I get lost in my situation. And when I'm looking at God, all I see is my pain because it's covering him. And I've placed my pain before my Savior. And I'm saying, wow, this is horrible. I I need you to understand what you're focusing on will get bigger and bigger the more you focus on it. So Jesus says, no, 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 the cross was the last thing on my mind. I was more focused on the people. I want to say something that's going to set you free. It's going to be so amazing. If you take this in your heart ready, you cannot praise and complain at the same time. You can't. (laughs) You can't praise and complain at the same time. And that's going to let you know there's a a highway where where you could take an exit or you can keep on going, staying stuck in the highway. Am I going to continue complaining about my problem or am I going to start praising through my problem? Because you can't do both at the same time. And so many of us, you've forgotten how to praise God because you've been so focused complaining to him. I'm not saying you can't be honest with God. No, he desires an honest heart. He desires a broken spirit. God is near to the broken heart of the Bible says that. But I am saying if all you're doing is complaining to God, you're going to forget how good he is. You're, you're going you're to forget how faithful he is. Because all you're doing is complaining to him and you're throwing things on him instead of saying, wait, God, how about I just focus on you for a little bit? See, Jesus was so focused on praise that the cross could not overpower him. If he was complaining and complaining, but God, why do I got to do this? But God, this sucks. God, nails. God, wood. God, my back. God, my hair. It was beautiful. You going to put a crown on that? And I can imagine him uh, saying, I can't complain. Because whatever I'm complaining about is going to overpower me. Can I let you know, whenever you're complaining, you're giving power to what's against you. You're letting that thing know it's stronger than you. You're letting that thing know that it it already has the upper hand. Whenever you get angry at somebody and act upon it, it's not that they made you angry. It's just that they punctured you in a way where the anger exploded. And you let that person know at that very moment that they are stronger than you because they have control over your emotions. And if they have control over your emotions, then they have control over your decisions. This is why Jesus wants to sit on the throne of your heart. Because if he can have your heart, he can have your emotions. If he can have your emotions, he can have your decisions. And you can live a holy life filled with the perfection of Jesus because he is seated on the throne of your heart. I can't praise and complain at the same time. I love John 16, 33. It says, I have told you all these things, Jesus speaking again. I have told you all these things so that you may have peace in me. Some of y'all got peace in your own things. You got peace in your own heart. You got peace in your finances. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I say these things so you can have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Ready, ready, ready. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus teaches us that praise does not change the problem, but it changes the outcome. You're going to have the problem. You're going to have the sorrow. You're going to have the frustration. You're going to want to quit. You're going to want to give up. You're going to want to slap somebody. You're going to want to show them their unholy finger. You're going to want to do all those things. But if you just start praising, I can't promise it will change the middle, but it will change who you are at the end of the story. 
I, I can't promise it'll change the problem, but I will promise you will not be the same at the end of the problem. It might not change what you're going through. It might not change the fact that your son or your daughter came out to you as homosexual. It might not change the fact that you still got laid off from your job. It might not change the fact that, that you've been drunk and you don't want to admit it. It might not change those things, but it'll change who you are at the end of the process. And I can imagine Jesus looking at the cross and saying, no, my vision is beyond the cross. When I'm with my people in eternity, this is why I focused on the praise. Because it wasn't about what I'm about to experience. It's about what praise can do after what I experience. It's the freedom on this end of praise that is different from the freedom before praise. Oh, but if you were to just praise, or if you were to learn how to praise, maybe the problem will stay the same. But I can guarantee the outcome will be different. If you know me, you know that I love basketball, uh, but I am retired by force. Just kidding. What? I didn't even do anything crazy in basketball. Can't say I retired. But, but I played all my high school except for my senior year. I had to give up uh, basketball my senior year because uh, I had to focus on other things that would progress me in life. And basketball, I'm sure I wasn't going to like go to the NBA or anything, but that was my dream. And so I was like, man, there's, there's something more important that God wants me to experience. And so I had to give that up. But my freshman year of college after I graduated high school, uh, my coach from high school said, Dennis, you graduated a year early, so by law, you can still play high school basketball uh, as long as you're not like playing any college level or anything, because then that would just be abuse. And I'm like, coach, don't worry. I'm like five foot four. I'm definitely not playing college ball. He said, but if I put you on the team, I don't want you to be the best player on the team. I want you to make everybody around you better. You already had your shot. You played your moment. I want you to build other people to experience that same moment you had all high school. I said, all right, coach, I got you. You're not going to be the best player. You're not going to be shooting all the shots. You're not going to be making all the plays. You're literally, your only job this season is to make everyone around you better, and you're going to enjoy the season. I promise that. He said, Dennis, if we lose every single game, but you make every player just a little bit better, we won. It's like, okay, coach. So every single game, I'll come to the game, I'll pass the ball. Come to the game, pass the ball. During timeouts, I'd encourage my, my teammates, yo, you got it, bro. You're so much better. Change this, switch that, do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that, and, and we'll be a little better. I never promised we, would get a win. we were going to win, but I promised they would get better. And, and I'll be like, yo, bro, like, you got this all the time. Like, just fix that, these small details. And then I started talking to this girl, and that changed the game. Because you know when you invite somebody and you don't expect them to actually take the invitation, but they do take the invitation? So I said, hey, like, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, like, I can't see you this weekend because, like, I have a basketball game. Do, do you want to go? Yeah, of course, I'm going to go. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I wasn't the all-star player, so if she came to my game, she was going to see somebody who was just passing the ball, doing nothing, sitting on the bench, encouraging players, hey, bro, you got this, good job. <laughs> so I had a team meeting. Sometimes you got to have a team meeting for things to change. So I had a team meeting. I said, listen up, soldiers. Soldiers, what? Listen up, soldiers. Super top secret mission. Mission, get Dennis a girlfriend. So I was like, okay, what are talking about, bro? So I'm talking to this girl, man, right? And you know, I've been playing high school ball. I, you know, I'm only here to help you guys out. But she's coming to my game, bro. And I got to play the best game ever. Because she's going to see me, and she's got to see me score all the points. When she leaves, I got you, bro. Like, you know, all season long, I got you. But when she's seated there watching me play, bro, give me the ball. 
I'm just going to score. That's what I'm going to do. You know me. And they're like, yeah, I know you. Yeah, you know me. Like, we're just, we're just like hyping each other up. Yo, dad's going to get a girlfriend. Nah, nah, nah. Like, well, we're laughing. We're enjoying it. And so she comes to the game, and, and I'm warming up extra special. I'm taking longer steps. Like, I, I usually walk normal, but this time I'm walking like, whoa, man. Well, How did I get so strong? Who put, that, who put that hole in the floor? My foot? Oh, man. Somebody fix that. Like, I, I'm saying all these crazy things. During the game, I'm doing crazy passes. I'm like going in between the legs, all these things. Like during timeouts, I'm sticking my butt out so she can know I work out. And I'm like, yo, okay, coach, I got you. I'm like, timeout, timeout. Like, it's not even my job to call timeout. I'm saying things that don't even go. Touchdown, touchdown. Like, I'm, I'm the loudest one on the court. Trying to score all the points. It didn't work out. I got injured that game, so, you know. <laughs> I got hurt in the leg, and so I had to sit out. She was watching the whole thing. I was like, oh my God. I did it for you, girl. Uh, just start making up things to make yourself look better. I, I realized at that moment that because someone so important to me was coming to see my game, I had to play my best game ever. My role was to be a team player. My role was to help other people get better. But because someone so important to me was coming to the game, I decided I had to play my game, and I had to give my best. I, I, love, I love this passage in Psalms 22, verse 3. It says, yet you, Lord, are holy, enthroned on the praises of your people. It says, yet you, Lord, are holy, enthroned on the praises of people. You see, this girl was, seated, was, was sitting at my game, so I had to play my best game ever. What happens when you understand what Psalms 23, uh, 22, 3 says, when God is seated on your praise? See, if God is seated on my praise, then I have to give him the best praise ever. If God is seated on my praise, then I can't give God a mat on the floor. I got to give him a throne because it says he is enthroned on the praises of his people. What praise is your, is, uh, is your, what, what is your praise creating for God? You know, I, in high school, we, I, I never did this because I was, I was an angel in high school. But high school, we used to do this thing. At, well, not we, again. Other people, writing myself out here. They used to do these things. <laughs> At the lunch table, somebody comes sit down and we just whoop. I mean, not we, they, they would slip out that chair. Somebody would fall. We would all laugh in our little circle, but everyone in the cafeteria would be like, oh, oh my gosh, it's them again. See, if you were the one pulling out the chair, it was funny, it was hilarious, but everyone around you knew exactly how dumb and how bad that was. You, you know, sometimes we forget to praise God. And you know what you're doing to the throne of God whenever he's about to sit down and take control of your situation? He's about to give you the breakthrough you've been asking for. When you forget to praise God because all you're doing is complaining, you are pulling out the chair from under God. And God is looking at you like, wait, I was about to do something. Bible says he is enthroned. Somebody say enthroned. That's a word for a king. Kings call the shots. Kings are the ones that say what's going to go. You know, maybe God isn't doing what you need him to do because you don't see him as king. Because your throne, your throne, it looks like a foldable metal chair instead of a throne for a king in heaven. Your throne looks like a mat on the floor instead of a throne for a king in heaven. Well, what is your praise creating for your father? Because maybe you forgot that he was king. Maybe you forgot that he was more powerful than your situation because you forgot to praise him. Uh, church, I, I need you to understand that praise is key because your praise carries Jesus. 
your, your praise. When, when you say, no, not me, God, you're good, you are lifting up Jesus. When you complain, you lift up yourself. When you praise, you lift up Jesus. Maybe you've been inviting people to church and they haven't been coming because when they look at you, they don't see someone worth becoming. They're saying, Wait, yeah, they follow Jesus, but I don't think it's working for them, so it's not going to work for me. When you invite people to church, make sure you are praising him enough that they don't see you. They see your king, and they see you as a servant of your king. I need you to understand, people will fall in love with the God that you serve based on the way that you serve them, based on the way that you serve him. But so many of us, we're giving out invitations. I, I saw this on my Instagram a couple of days ago. It's that Jesus never told people, or I don't think it was my Instagram, but he, somewhere I heard it. It said that Jesus never told you to invite people to church. Jesus told the church to go to them. But you have to be the church in order to show people the king of the church. The church is not a body. If it, if it was a building, it would be boring. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be here right now if church was just limited to a building. But I'm so excited. I'm so in love. I'm so thankful that the church is not just a building. It's a body of believers. It's people like you and like me. And because if they see a, if they see a building, it's like, oh, man, these lights are crazy. Wow. If, if they see this floor, it's like, oh, my God, the stage is it's so big. It's not just big in Poinciana. Like, oh, my God, like, look at this podium. It's all black and, like, beautiful. Look, all these things. But, but when they see you. Wait, wait, I know how the building got here. People built it, but how did you get here? Oh, you, you don't want to know my story. It's going to change your life. I, I know how the lights got here. I know how the speakers got here, but how did you get here? Oh, let me tell you about my king. Let me tell you about my savior. Let me tell you about the Messiah. When Jesus was entering Jerusalem, they praised him, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And that lifted Jesus up so that everyone around could see who Jesus truly was. I love the praise that Jesus picked because Jesus loves everybody. But when it comes to lifting up the name of Jesus, he has certain qualities for you to have. Because the name of Jesus, it's a tough name to carry. And if you don't have those qualities, if you don't have that perspective, if you don't have that focus, you will let that name crush you because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. See, Jesus, he says, give me the donkey that has never been ridden. See, Jesus is looking for a praise that is pure, that has never been ridden, that has never been manipulated. God is looking for a praise. God is looking for a man to stand up in his household and not let his family go left and right with the waves, but a man who is pure in his sight, pure in his vision. And he's saying, I'm going to put my floor on the ground. God is looking for a woman that is going to edify the household, not just let anybody manipulate the household. God is looking for a praise that is pure, saying, hey, I want a daughter who is going to worship me in her purity. I want a man who's not going to live a life of anger, but he's going to worship me in his humility. God is looking for a praise that is pure. He says, be perfect. Just like your father in heaven is perfect. He gives you a standard you could never accomplish so that the sacrifice of Jesus could meet you where you're at and take you to experience that perfection. See, there are three ways, and I'm going to go over them quickly. Three ways that God, he purifies your praise. Number one, somebody say his presence. It's through his presence. I love what this verse says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel. Only in returning to me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But you would have none of it. 
I love Psalms 22, verse 25. It says, I will praise you in the great assembly. Ready, ready? Ooh. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with, will rejoice with everlasting love. I, I love what David says. I will fulfill my vows to you, God, in the presence of those that worship you. Are you surrounded by worshipers? See, maybe your praise is at an all-time low because you've been doing it by yourself. And this is why we come to the front, because it helps us feel more connected. This is why we come to the front, because it changes the gap from worship team to worshipers. And this right here, this area, is where we get together in the presence of worshipers, and we praise God. I need to let you know you sound like what you're surrounded by. This is why Jesus, or, or let me say God, because it's the Old Testament. This is why God, he told Joshua and his army, the Israelites, to go around Jerusalem and lift up a praise. Because if they could praise enough around Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I mean, uh, Jericho, forgive me on that. If they could go around Jericho a whole bunch of times and praise around Jericho, Jericho would begin to praise. See, it, it was the praise around Jericho that changed the status of Jericho. Jericho was a place with walls built up, but when praise surrounded it, Jericho became a place with walls built down. Jericho learned how to praise. Maybe you're in this room with walls built up because you haven't been surrounded by people that can worship and praise. That's why when we worship, our Father, and, and it's just like, yeah, hands down to him. God is good. All the time, all the time. And you see people up here, they're like, all in, oh, God, you're so faithful. They're on their knees, God, you're so good. And they're getting emotional, and the Holy Spirit is stirring within them, and they're praising with everything they've got, and you're just like, yeah, God, you're awesome. You're a mighty God. And you're saying how good God is, but you feel really bad inside. And you're like, oh, yeah, God, you're faithful. But really, you're feeling faith empty right now at that moment. And this is the difference, that some of us are surrounding ourselves with worshipers that can lift up our hands when we have, nothing to when we have no strength to lift them up. See, number one is his presence. Number two, somebody say his word. Oh, I love this one. Can I be honest with you guys? Can I be honest with you guys? Sometimes I don't want to praise Sometimes I'm too tired to praise. Sometimes I've been in too many arguments to praise God. Sometimes I'm too frustrated to think about how good God is. Because it's easier to stay where I'm at than to say, God, you're good, despite of what I'm feeling. It's easier to stay where I'm at instead of saying, God, you got me no matter what, even though I don't see it, even though I don't believe it. it it's so much easier to stay where I'm at. And sometimes I don't have a praise in me. Maybe you're in this room and right now you don't have a praise. So you're saying, oh, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. That means nothing to you. Jesus is perfect. That means nothing to you because you're running on empty and there's nothing you can do. This is why I love the word of God because the word of God praises within me. Well, when I read the scriptures and when I read what Jesus has done, when I read about the goodness of God in the scriptures, I don't have to come up with it on my own. It's already been written in his word. He said, I gave you a praise. You just got to listen to it. I already gave it to you. He purifies your praise through his word because he reminds you who he is so you don't have to remember as hard by yourself. He says, hey, you can't praise? Okay, just repeat this out loud. You're going to begin to praise. You're going to have something to say. You're going to have some words. You're going to have some effort. I, I, I love this passage in, in Hebrews chapter 412. For the word of God is alive and active. 
sharper than any double-edged sword. Let this, let this speak to you right now. This would be so much better than my preaching if you open your heart to it. Ready? It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. Ready? It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. See, God's word will purify your, intent, your intentions. So you won't be praising because you want something from God. You'll be praising because you know who God is. Don't, don't be praising God because you need him to do something. No, no, hold on. He's going to do it. God is faithful. You better start praising for who he is. Because when you see God for who he is, he can do what he wants to do. Don't become God's blockade. Don't be the reason why God won't do what he wants to do. And it's not because he's not. It's just because he won't. Because he's a gentleman and he waits for you to say yes so he can step forward. I ain't going to talk about that no more before I get crazy. Get all ratchet up in here. Number one, his presence. I'm almost done. Number two, his word. And number three, I love this one already. He purifies your praise through your prison. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Paul and Silas, they were preaching the word of God and they got stuck in jail. And it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Ooh, people are listening to the way you talk about your God. And the other people and the other prisoners were listening, ready. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And everyone's chains came loose. And everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And so the jailer, he called for lights to come in. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, it was the praise of Paul and Silas that shattered the foundations of the prison. See, there's one thing to knock down the walls of the prison, but there's another thing to destroy the foundations of the prison. Because I can pick some walls back up, but when the foundations are gone, ain't nothing going to be left standing. There is nothing that can be rebuilt. If God is listening to your praise, I promise he can break the foundation of your problem. I, I, sometimes I like to ask questions when I read, like, you know. And so I started asking, like, would Paul and Silas have had that praise in them if they weren't in that prison? Because in certain situations, we say certain things. So maybe they would have never said that specific praise to God if they weren't in that situation. Maybe God allows us to get into a place where we don't want to be so we can say something that will really help us. Because you're so used to saying from where you've been. But God is saying, no, no, no. I'm going to leave you in the prison. Not alone. I'll be right by your side. But I need to install something within you. I, I want you to write this down in your notes. That sometimes God will allow us to be stuck so he can install a praise into us. It's like a USB drive. Plug it into my laptop. I put my mixtape. I don't got a mixtape. Put my mixtape on it. All my songs. R&B, pop, jazz, whatever you think I can make. Boom, put the USB in. I start installing the songs. Why? So that everywhere I plug in my USB, songs can be installed into whatever it's connected to. Maybe God has you isolated in the prison because he's installing a praise in you. So when he takes you out, everything you get plugged into will be blessed with that praise that God installed in you. I, I, I need you to know maybe God is not moving you because he's moving for you. Maybe God, is not taking out of, maybe God is not taking you out of your situation because he wants to work the situation. But you have to be still 
and know that he is God. See, when you praise, you experience the perfection of Jesus. Well, when you praise in your situation, you're saying, yeah, this sucks, but God, you are so good. And every praise that I lift up is a remembrance of the goodness of God. Every praise that I say is me reminding myself that God is faithful, that God will not leave me, that he goes with me, but he also goes before me. Sometimes you say things because you believe it. And sometimes you got to say things until you believe it. And praise is that tool that God gives you saying, hey, this is how you remember me forever. Praise is the thing that God gives you saying, hey, if you got this, you got me. Because with praise, you experience my perfection. And it's in his presence. Well, when these moments of worship happen, it, it's in his word where he fills you up with the praise. And it's in the prison where he takes it out of you, where he squeezes it out of you. It's in these places that God teaches you how to praise in purity. See, but maybe you're in this room and you're saying, Dennis, I've never had a praise before. Dennis, I don't even know what a praise sounds like. It's my first time in church, and, and I really don't know all about this praise stuff. Is this a science? Do I got to memorize a specific phrase? What is all this praise stuff? I want you to start off with this one simple praise. Hosanna. Hosanna. Ah, uh, Dennis, I, I don't know what praise really looks like. Start off right here. Hosanna. See, before Jesus even got into the city, they were singing Hosanna. Before he can get into your situation, you have to sing Hosanna. Can I let you know what Hosanna means? It means saved. It means saved. In the Old Testament, it used to mean help. Hosanna was help. Hosanna was help. I need help. I need help. I need help. I need Hosanna to come and rescue me. But in the New Testament, when, when it switches over to Jesus, it says, I am saved. He is my Savior. Hosanna is you acknowledging that you don't have all the answers, but Jesus, he's on his way, and he's about to save you. So the people of Israel, they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. He's going to save me. He's going to deliver me. He's going to give me my breakthrough. He's going to give me my blessing. He's going to lead me out of my situation. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. You don't know what to say to God? Why don't you say Hosanna? Because you need him. Hosanna, he's my savior. Hosanna, he's my savior. Bow your heads and close your eyes, church. Come on, maybe somebody in this room has been saying, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't get this too much. I'm frustrated because all I can do is complain and, and all I can do is worry about my problem. I, I don't know what I'm doing and, and I don't know how to get out of here and I need to let you know Hosanna is the way. Hosanna is the way right now wherever you are. If this is tugging on your heart and you're saying I need to receive Hosanna, I need to receive his goodness, I need to receive his faithfulness. If this is you right now, you've been feeling it in your spirit. You've been feeling it in your mind. You've been thinking these thoughts saying, man, something's got to change today. Something's got to happen today. You got to receive Hosanna. Come on. He's coming to you. He's coming on a donkey. He's not focused on the pain. He's focused on your praise. Today is your day. If today you want to receive Hosanna into your heart. All you have to do right where you're at is go ahead. If there's anyone that wants to receive the Hosanna, I'll We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.